Trivia. I am your host, Rebecca Budd, and I'm looking forward to sharing this moment with you. I'm heading over the Canadian Rockies to St. Albert, Alberta. Brian, my brother, has come back to continue the conversation on embracing a greater journey. In our past podcast together, we discussed the stages of life from childhood to old age, and then the idea of FOMO, or fear of missing out. As we enter December, the month of festivities, many of us will not be going home for Christmas in the usual way. Many of us will be connecting virtually, and that is with family and friends across the globe. So today, Brian and I will be discussing the relationship between music and celebration. So put the kettle on and add to the conversation in singing on ttoastrivia.com. Welcome, welcome, Brian. So you and I have always had music as part of any celebration. Do you remember those days? We've talked about that, especially Christmas time. Dad bought this record set of original classic American Christmas carols, and uh, I can remember listening to them over and over and over again. I loved it, and it became a big part of my memory of Christmas was the music that was played at Christmas time. And of course, there was always the church things, the pageants and all the Christmas carols we sang at church. Those were a big memory as well. It, it was a big set. It was about eight or nine records in this Christmas carol from Reader's Digest. I think so. It was Reader's Digest. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know where Dad got it, but it was. Uh, it was my earliest memories of the music at Christmas time. You know, Brian, I remember that eight record collection. We played it over and over and over. One of the neighbors had heard that we had this excellent collection and asked if she could listen to it. I proudly brought it over, and she handed it back to me the next morning and said. You know, it's so scratched up that we didn't even understand it. Well, we played it over and over, and we weren't that careful with the needle. <laughs> yeah. I kept bouncing it around. I wanted to always listen to, uh, what is it, to All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. I love that song. And I think that was the most scratched up song because Dad, bless him, he was so uh, so free with us. We could use the record player any way we wanted. You know, he was a wonderful dad that way. A lot of dads would not have permitted that. We all put those records on. Then we stacked them. Couldn't be too good for the record. And they'd flop down. And, and uh, anyway, yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a real memory from Christmas. It was uh, very important and special. So, Brian, why is music so important to us when we celebrate? Because there's many times that we celebrate wedding anniversaries. They always come up, oh, there's our song. They're playing our song. And they all get dewy-eyed, and they remember that first time they met under the song. And then, you know, graduation, there's always some type of pomp and circumstance that's being played as they crawl across, you know, the, the stage, and all the parents in the audience shed a tear. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've thought about that a lot, because there's certain songs that I listen to, of course, that remind me. We talked about Christmas, but there's also songs that remind me of growing up. Certainly, when we're teenagers, we have our favorite songs, our pop songs that we listen to, and they remind us of, of what we went through at that time. They'll bring back certain emotions to us. I suppose it's like anything, that certain smells will do that. Mom will do some cooking, and, 
it'll bring back memories of childhood. But music, I think, is really emotive, really brings out our emotions. It's almost like a spiritual thing with people. It, it brings them to a whole different level. Talking certainly is one thing, but music and the vibrations and sound waves that come from music, I think, really impact us in a unique way. I think uh, it can be mysterious, but playing with music and playing my instruments over the years, there's no mystery to music. It's all logical. It's all mathematical. In many ways, music is very mathematical, but it's, it's interpretation, really, that goes into the music that I think really moves people. It's a connection on a spiritual level, it's, and it's a way of communication. So it's the way we communicate with each other without speaking. Well, that brings me to the next thought. We use music to gather people together. Remember that uh, song when you think about Thanksgiving? We gather together to give thanks, that special song, and it plays every Thanksgiving, which was, for us, was October, and, and for our American friends, it's in November, just before Christmas. So all of this has come in with the music that is getting us prepared for Christmas. Why do you think music is a community event? I'm not a music historian necessarily, but community and people would, would either sing or chant together. It was, it was a communal thing. I think storytelling was done with music early on, and I think people sang it together. I think tunes are easy to remember. I think you can remember tunes and that you can attach words to those. You can include history in, in music. Our ancestors, when they thought of spiritual things, they used music and rhythm to communicate with the spiritual world. And so that became a community event. And I think there were certain people that were gifted in music and they became sort of leaders in that sort of spiritual element. Again, I'm not an historian in that regard, but it just seems to me that music is the way we communicate as a community. Even if you go to a political protest march, what are they doing? They're singing, We Shall Overcome. They're singing all of those folk songs that they either sing it in anger or in protest. So you can use music in a number of ways. It can match any of your emotions. When I do my music in my small way, in my small world, it's really a way to communicate. I don't like to think of what I do as performance or entertainment. I think that that kind of, for me, it soils it, if that makes sense. To me, all I'm doing is trying to communicate. I love stories and songs. I like ballads. I like things like that, that people can engage with, if that makes sense, rather than trying to entertain them with my skill. I'm not real comfortable with that, and that the joy of it really just sort of falls away when it turns into that, and then it becomes about me trying to, to measure up to certain things. Uh, people who love music love it because they just love what it does to them emotionally, and they don't necessarily need to be entertained by it. The, the best concerts that you've ever been to are very intimate, where the person that's singing or playing is, is really engaged with their audience, looking and making eye contact and whatnot. So uh, that's the kind of thing that I like about music. Everybody, I think, can sing. Everybody can do that. And I think that when you're criticized for how you sing, that's a very bad thing. Brian, when you say that music is a communicator, it brings people together, is the first communication with yourself? I think the music that you do has to touch you in order for you to kind of interpret it. 
so they can be enjoyable for others. If I hear something or well, listen to a song that doesn't move me, I'm certainly not going to try to uh, interpret that and do it on my own. I think, too, that for me, because we've talked about vocal ranges and I haven't been professionally trained, so my vocal range is limited and style of song is limited to a certain type of song. I can't sing everything. I can't sing opera and whatnot. I think it has to move me in order for me to do it and then move others. Because if my heart's not in it, it's not going to come across very well. It's going to fall flat. And then music becomes really about having to, rather than wanting to do something. I've talked to a few musicians who do it professionally over the years, and some of the joy has departed in what they do. When you're doing music for money and you're touring and you're making albums and whatnot, you're really subjected to the people promoting you and, and trying to sell your product. So a lot of the stuff that you do is for them. And it's no longer stuff that you can do unless you reach that certain level where you're so famous and so wealthy, like an Elton John, for instance, who really does what he wants to do. But for most people, it's like some of the joy in music is taken away because they're required to do things they don't really want to do. And that's the sad part. So for those of us who do it, you know, sort of in an amateur way or for just the joy of it, that's the plus side of it. That's the bonus. We get to do stuff we love. That's right. And they'll probably do it much better because they have the joy of doing that. Yeah. It has to be pleasing to me and move me in such a way so that I like to do it because I have to practice a lot. I have to do stuff over and over and over again for me to actually get it. And so I don't want to do something a hundred times I don't really enjoy doing. And we've come to that age that we can say that to ourselves. Yeah. I think for me, because I've worked at a job in which really wasn't music related, but I'm coming close to that time in retirement where I've done my 35, 40 years of career. And so now it's time to kind of switch gears and say, no, I'm going to do this and no money is required. I mean, the only thing that would be required where money is needed is if I wanted to buy more equipment. But the style of music that I do doesn't really require a lot of equipment. So I might buy a few harmonicas. I'm going to try that next. I think that would be entertaining. See what I can do with a harmonica, with harmonica holder on my neck. See what that would sound like. Anyway. So let's talk about Christmas. Christmas came, and we always thought that we understood Christmas carols to be rather a recent event. But I went and looked and found out that Christmas carols actually went back to the 4th century Rome. And then it came into medieval chord patterns, like good King Wenceslas and the holly and the ivy. You know, good King Wenceslas, I love that because it talked about him helping a poor man on the 26th of December. And I always felt that was a really good thing to do. It's a feel-good song, and that's another one that's from our childhood that's forever stuck in our memory. It's a really cool song. I really like it. Do you remember the friendly beasts were in the stable, and they were there to take care of the baby Jesus? I don't remember that. <laughs> well, I do, because our choir mistress decided that we were going to sing it one Christmas, and every one of us had a part. There was the cow, there was the sheep, I'm sure there was a mouse, but I got the dove. Now, you and I have talked about the idea 
of range. You and I don't have that far in our range. So I have middle C probably up to the B. <laughs> and that gives you a lot of places to go. But some of the hymns and all the Christmas carols exceed that B. So this is what I had to sing. <laughs> yeah. I said the dove from rafters high. I cooed him to sleep so he would not cry. I cooed him to sleep, my mate and I. I said the dove from rafters high. Well, the rafters were so high and that song that I squeaked. Everyone was so beautiful. The dove was so beautiful. And when I got up to this, I said the dove from rafters, I just, I just broke out in a sweat. And the thing is, as I always remember that as my favorite Christmas carol, because I was able to get through it and everybody clapped. And I know what they were thinking. That poor child, <laughs> that poor child made it through, thank God. <laughs> you know, now that you sang that, now I do remember it. And I don't know, remember how old I was when you sang that. How old was I? Oh, you must have been five. Yeah. No, I remember that now that you sing it. And uh, that was beautiful, by the way, you singing that. It was, it was very touching. Oh, thank you. Here's the deal with music. I'll go back to how we feel judged now when we sing, how we feel judged when a big part of our well-being as people and within the community is singing and is music. And yet now we feel so ashamed when we sing because it's not good enough. And that's really disappointing because people who would love to participate often feel like they can't participate. They feel that they're going to be judged. Absolutely, yeah. Do you really think that we are going to be judged because everyone is more concerned about how they sing rather than listening to somebody else? That is actually a really interesting question because if you do any kind of singing publicly, I put a few videos out of some guitar and solo work. The moment it's out there, people can critique it. Unless you know how to kind of release it, it can be a big burden. And I can see now why people in theater and in music and these very public and performance, again, related crafts, they fear the critic. The critic can be very destructive to people's well-being. And you have to be a little bit brave to do something where people could critique it. Am I making sense? Actually, you are. Once it's out there, you can't take it back. Once it's out there, it's out there forever. And you can look back on singing that song as a dove. You can remember the feelings and the emotions. As an adult now, you can say, oh, I was fine. But at the moment, you were, you were sweating and you were, you were just really afraid. And that's the thing that gets a lot of people and stops them from getting out there and sharing what they can do because they're so afraid of what people might think. That's a lot to overcome in music. It is. And when you overcome it, the possibilities go far. Yeah. I remember taking voice lessons. And my voice teacher was an opera singer. And she was amazing. So I took my little $5 that I had saved up. And she was so kind to me. She said, you know, dear, you might not be able to sing an opera but you will be able to teach. 
isn't that a wonderful thing for her to say? You may not get here, but there might be some place that's even better for you. And pursue it and keep on with your music. And that means composing, playing an instrument. Your voice is a talent. You either have a voice box that resonates or you don't. And the fact of that doesn't negate that you can have an extraordinary musical career. One of my favorite songs is I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It's by Longfellow. And you were talking a little bit about all of the different renditions of it. Well, versions and people use different words in the way they sing it, different tunes and all the kinds of things. When I was looking it up, because I was trying to reproduce it and record it to share with you, and I found a lot of different versions. But it's a very moving song, and it's wonderful to sing from a variety of different types of voices. They can really interpret the way they want to. So who actually sang it? Well, I'm not sure it was original. I, I remember the Burl Ives version. Um, Johnny Cash sang it. Sarah McLaughlin sang it. I didn't listen to everybody's version. I, I listened to Burl Ives' version, and that's sort of the one I copied most closely. Because some of the other ones, they'll, they kind of interpreted it quite a bit differently, and then they added stuff to it that I didn't want in it. Is that the one that you listened to when you were a child? Yeah. Yeah, I love Burl Ives. Didn't he do some voiceovers for, uh, was it uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Wasn't he in that? Burl Ives was with us every step of the way. He was Father Christmas in many ways. Yeah, he really was. <laughs> so would you sing and play I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day for us? Well, I could. Uh, I'll do my best. And your best is really a wonderful place to be. Thank you. Fail. 
the right prevail with peace on earth goodwill to men Thank you, Brian, for sharing I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Burl Ives would be very, very proud of you. <laughs> As we go into the Christmas season, thank you for sharing this moment with Brian and me. And thank you, Brian, for sharing your love of music with us. It's a good place to be, and I love you. From all of us, at our home and Brian's home. May you feel the presence of kindred spirits. We think of you during this festive month. And until next time we meet, dear friends, take care and be well. Then peel the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will to man.